criticism. I just had to call in to respond to this week's installment of Never Trump Drivel from Terry Mattingly. Compliments. I love the interviews and insights because they help me battle the slings and arrows of outrageous theology and practice. Clarification. Is there a point where, without baptism, infants go to heaven, and after which time they go to hell if they're not baptized? The Issues Etc. Comment Line, 618-223-8382. If you come, I will answer. If you follow, I'll pick you up. And if you call, Well, we've got all kinds of questions from our listeners. And given the political season, it is not unusual that one of the comments is about former President Donald Trump. We'll get to that and some other comments. Also about de-churching and our interview recently on this phenomenon as we go through listener email and the issues, et cetera, comment line. Do you think Donald Trump is the most popular clickbait name or term in the 21st century? Well, certainly. There are a certain segment of consumers of the media for whom Donald Trump is irresistible. And I'm not talking about his supporters. I'm talking about his adversaries and his detractors. He will always be, what do they say? He will always live rent-free in some people's heads. And in doing so, all you got to do is include Trump in a headline or in, what do they call the thing that's under the headline? Bio? No, bio? No. The little slug that just... Oh, I don't know what that's called. You know, they should not, that's, that's a digital thing. You didn't have that in your normal newspapers. No, you just had the headline. Right. Then you had the story. So I think you put him in there any place, and we've talked about this with Terry Mattingly, that you add Trump to a story, and sometimes in many cases, inject Trump into a story, and you will get more clicks, and they, and they know it. So... I'm sure that there are digital editors out there saying, well, where's the Trump in the headline? We need Trump's name in there. Because otherwise, we're only going to get one-third as many clicks as we would otherwise. So, yes, I think he's, he's kind of the ultimate. Just that one word, Trump, is kind of the ultimate worm on the end of the hook for many people who consume the media. We've worked together for a long time. You know full well I would be like the worst editor at writing headlines for a story because I try to get everything out. I don't want to overstate, exaggerate. And the the headlines would be like 20 words. Right. That's why I couldn't but, do it. So believe me, folks, if Jeff had his way, the titles for each of the episodes that you listen to would be multiple sentences <laughs> right. there. And I've noticed that with The Federalist is obviously they have somebody there who writes their headlines. These are not headlines. These are leads that they're writing. And I've noticed that their headlines are full, sometimes run-on sentences. They're just long, long sentences. And some, there's something they've done, something in their research that has taught them that that gets better engagement than just saying, you were probably taught to write it as pithy as possible. You leave out, you even leave out indefinite articles and things like that to get that headline as short and still meaningful as possible. But that's not the case anymore. Well, don't you think it's probably because of Google search terms? Maybe, I, but I don't know how those work. 
I'd say that, and then someone's going to email us and say, that's not how it works. I've noticed that if I go to Real Clear Politics, that every story that they list, it has to say the whole story. It has to have this whole thought rather than just say, economy rose 2%. It has to say something more than that. One thing I know for certain, Taylor Swift is the clickbait for the National Football League. <laughs> yeah, that's a weird thing, isn't it? It's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, I, I just, of course, I, you know, I'm not a Taylor Swift fan, so I guess they're trying to reach out to women, but also younger audience. But as many listeners know, my wife has the Today Show on weekdays and drives me crazy. I drive her crazy because I get upset. But they summarized the two NFL games this weekend and the package led with Taylor Swift. Down on the... No, up in the oh, box. Up in the box. Know, cheering on her, Travis Kelsey. That's what it led with. Yeah. It's like, this, these, these are the semifinals to the Super Bowl. Well, they were talking, I actually read a story about this, that they were saying, will Taylor Swift be at the Super Bowl? Because she has a concert tour she's in the middle of. Oh, she'll be And there. no, she's going to be in um, something that makes it prohibitively difficult for her to get back. It's not she'll a U.S. tour. There. She's going to be someplace and it would require, they said she, if she left after her, right after her concert and flew back to the U.S., she would get there just in time for the kickoff. Then she would have to leave right after the final whistle, fly back and just get there in time to begin the next concert at the Lynn, next venue. Lynn says that she has a reserve spot already, a reserve spot. Well, of course she does. The, she's Taylor at Swift. The airpl- at the airport, but she's coming in from like Tokyo or yeah, something it's, like it's that. Yeah, it's place in Asia where she's... Her, her agents, her publicist, you can't. I mean, free FaceTime during the Super Bowl, if they have to drug her up or whatever they have to do on that flight... The well, red-eye flight, no, obviously she'll, she'll be not, there. She's not going to be flying like the rest of us fly. <laughs> no, no. So for her, a 12-hour flight is just having to you know, be inside a plane for 12 hours, not sit in a seat with some slobbering guy who needs a shave sleeping on your shoulder. She's going to be flying in the lap of luxury, and it's, she'll just have to be 12 hours inside of a plane. It's okay. She'll be all right. I'll just be glad. Let's let's hope, like Hans Fies, let's hope it ends in a a faithful marriage with lots of children. But let's just be realistic. She's gone through so many men. Oh, can you imagine the songs? If if if, if there's a she breakup here, a career, she, she will have a career. I mean, and and then the everybody's going to read. Travis must have done this. Travis went into her songs. I mean, that's her. Isn't that her stick? They're going to boycott the NFL, and then the NFL will be worse off. The NFL is playing dice. They don't realize what they're playing with here in trying to make this big connection because the minute they break up, every Swifty in the world, which is. Swifty? Is that what they call them? Yeah, that's what they call them. Oh, I I, I only know one of her songs. I only know one of her. Every Swifty in the world will boycott the NFL, and they'll make their dads do it too. So. Oh, the dads won't stop. It was like Trump. Remember Trump said to boycott the NFL? That didn't work. That didn't work. That was years ago. Yeah, but it didn't didn't even work very much short term. And I told you, I said this before, Don Matz, used to be in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I mentioned it on the podcast before, where it's big Calvinist country, and you're not, you know, it's to remember the Sabbath day, literally. And so they weren't supposed to, they weren't supposed to watch football. And he talked about, you drive through Grand Rapids, 
and the glow, the glow from the TV basement, because they wouldn't watch the TV upstairs. Men in the basement, Calvinist men watching the NFL Sunday mornings in their basements. Yeah, I will not be watching the Super Bowl this year. And really? it has nothing to do with the boycott. Tell me you don't have, you didn't schedule a local play on the day yes. of the Super Bowl. We have a matinee. It will, it will be what over just in thinking? time for the coverage to begin. Oh my goodness. See, that's the problem with thesbians. They're kind of out of touch with like most well, of the, it the was, American public. I had public. this conversation with my wife this morning. I said, we're trying to find a place for the cast party and we can't go anyplace local because it's Super Bowl Sunday. The matinee gets out at about five and no one's going to say, yeah, you can have the back room. They, they're not going to do that. And it occurred to me, I wonder if anybody is going to complain in the cast that they have to perform on Super Bowl Sunday. And I thought, no. <laughs> Super Bowl? What's that? All right. Back to the President Trump. Here's an email from Jan. I know y'all don't like Trump. That's not necessarily true. Personally, I would never date the guy. But I ask you, besides being a buffoon, <laughs> what did he do wrong during his first term? I can't help but look at how bad Saul was before he was Paul. No, I don't think Trump is going to have a road to Damascus experience. But what if that buffoon ends up saving more babies? Wouldn't that be a wonder indeed? Thanks for the email. Thanks for listening, Jan. I think we've even had this conversation that it is ironic that a man who really has little conscience and zero self-control could not only become president, but become the president that put in place circumstances that ended up meeting a pro-life goal that had been worked for 50 years. And it just goes to show that you never know how God is going to guide the affairs of men, but that's, that's pretty ironic. I agree. And I think it's been proven based on our interview with Michael New. I mean, laws have gone into place post-ops have saved the lives of lots of babies. Right. And we have to give credit where credit is due. Do I believe that Donald Trump would have done that if there were not a political calculation for him, if there were not, if the evangelical support for him in his first term were not tied so closely to the issue of overturning Roe v. Wade, no, I don't think he would have. I don't know where he stands personally when it comes to the unborn. He was not particularly pro-life before he started running for president. Well, he's made a lot of pro-life statements. He's sure he has. the March for Life, so I don't think you can say, I don't know where he stands. I don't know where he stands personally. I know that siding with the pro-lifers has been politically expedient to him. That's all I really know. I do think that if he thought that the pro-life movement was an impediment to him, I think he'd be willing to cast it aside. But That's your personal opinion. That's my personal opinion. Politics is the art of the possible. And because he's a transactional individual. And if he can't get something from that movement, why support it? I'll take the man at his words for now, but we'll see what happens. We'll see if it's clearly the Democrats think they can win post row on restoring row. So if we see President Trump starting to back off, but for now, I'll take him on his words and his deeds of the Supreme Court justices mm-hmm. that he appointed. I'll take him on that now. Well, the, the point I tried to make with you a couple of weeks ago was the Democrats can only go to the row well so many times because the more row-like constitutional amendments they pass in blue states, that takes it off the table in that state. Abortion's settled 
in that state. You can't run on it. You can try, but people are like, hey, we got a constitutional amendment. So it it's, remains a national issue as long as there are pro-life states. But state by state, if you're a blue state and you just passed a constitutional amendment ensuring all the protections of Roe for, for abortion advocates, it's, it's moot. Well, yeah. it's not. And you remember we did in the interview with Scott Klusenhofer, where President Biden says, give me a Democratic House and a, basically a filibuster-proof Senate, and I will sign a law first day restoring Roe. So, and, that, and that's good, but he also has to have the Supreme Court because that law will get challenged in court. Right, right. So like it or not, we are at the mercy and have been for decades of the U.S. Supreme Court. Primarily because our Congress doesn't pass laws anymore. No. Eleanor in Michigan. Hi, Pastor Wilkin. Thank you for your recent episode with Pastor Brian Barlow. I was wondering if you or Pastor Barlow could offer any insights on a similar but possible more conflicting issue. Of course, she's referring to your interview with Pastor Barlow on should Christians attend a gay wedding. What should a Christian do if invited to a wedding between a man and a woman or one or both do not believe they're actually a man or a woman? We have a very close male family member who is engaged to a woman who considers herself to be a they. From God's standpoint, it'll be a marriage between a man and a woman, but that is not what this couple will consider to be happening at the ceremony. And as maybe another segue, how would you approach attending a wedding where it is unclear what the meaning of the ceremony will be? For example, I attended a friend's wedding where the self-written vows included promises to smash the patriarchy together. Oh, man, you can't make this stuff up. If the vows are altered to a point such as this, is it actually a valid marriage? Should a Christian only attend marriage ceremony where traditional and clear vows are made? But that feels like it could become a slippery slope. Any perspective and encouragement would be appreciated. Thanks for the email, Eleanor. Well, most of us don't have the opportunity when invited to a wedding of reviewing the vows before sending the the RSVP. So... You never know what you're walking into nowadays. You literally never know what you're walking into nowadays. So while we can talk about the witness that is given and the confession that is given when invited to say a same-sex wedding ceremony, when it comes to the kind of blurry edges around there, Christians have to do what they think is best. They have to act with prudence. And we need to exercise a little bit of healthy Holy Spirit given skepticism in these days. We can't walk in saying, oh, this is just going to be great. Now, as to how someone uses their pronouns, there are people who say, I'm a woman, but I want to use the pronoun they. Why? Well, it may not have anything to do with their gender identity. It may have to do with the fact that everybody's doing it. Okay? So, the reason someone wants to use that pronoun. Now, if someone says, I'm a man, but I go by he and she, you're pretty, you can be pretty sure that this is a situation where someone has serious gender confusion. And then, then you have, as a Christian, you have to continue to confess the truth. And in the case of that person, the truth is you are not a she or a her. When we come back, a little bit more listener email and the issues, etc. comment line. Baby, just a 
What does it mean to inwardly digest God's Word? Find out in Pastor Will Whedon's column in the latest Issues Etc. journal. We'll send it to you for free. Just click the red journal subscription button in the right-hand column at issuesetc.org. In the Wittenberg Trail feature, Dr. John Warwick Montgomery tells his story of finding confessional Lutheranism to be the most scripturally faithful theology. The free online Issues Etc. journal, issuesetc.org. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your service. Our church loves and is grateful for those that serve our country. Operation Barnabas, part of Ministry to the Armed Forces, equips you to reach out to veterans in your community to bring Christ to those that served. Call Ministry to the Armed Forces at 314-996-1337 or email lcmschaps at lcms.org. Thank you for your service. Thank you. God bless our military. Luther had Wartburg. We have Collinsville. You're listening to Issues Etc. Do you dream about having stained glass windows at your church, but know they are too expensive to ever get them? Ad Crucem has the solution. Our window clings are an excellent way to enhance the beauty of your church without breaking that glass ceiling. Visit adcrucem.com and reach out to us to work with you on this project. Ad Crucem, established in 2014 and still going strong. That's A-D-C-R-U-C-E-M dot com. Many educational institutions are governed by the whims of culture and are increasingly hostile to the Word of God. In contrast, Faith Lutheran School in Plano, Texas, provides classical Lutheran education rooted in God's Word for students preschool through grade 12. Simply put, we equip students to stand firm in the faith through solid education focused on wisdom and virtue. We offer in-person instruction as well as live online classes for remote learning. To learn more, visit flsplano.org, flsplano.org. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're going through listener email, talkback at issuesetc.org, and the Issues Etc. comment line 618-223-8382. Let's see what Brad has to say. He's listening in Colorado. Hi, Brad. Hello, Todd. Over the past three years or so, and I really do think hate is the correct word for it, speaking about Trump in not a best construction manner, I think is what I've heard a lot of, and I think it's getting worse on your program, I mean, particularly from you on the Thursdays and this uh, mindless banner stuff. And it really seems to be, for me, killing the program. Not just that, I, I don't mean that, but the, it must be a real struggle to find topics for the program anymore because it's really gone downhill. Can you give me some examples, please? Well, just as you were earlier talking about Trump, it definitely seems that you're not putting the best construction on things that you do not know for sure. You don't have any... You yourself said that you didn't have personal knowledge of these things, but you say them on the air. How is that going with our confessions? All right, Brad, thank you very much. Best construction isn't lying. Christians are bound to tell the truth. And sometimes best construction isn't good news. So 
the question is, do I believe that Donald Trump is personally pro-life? I have a hard time doing that given his track record before he became president. And I do believe that it was politically expedient. So Christians have to speak the truth. Putting the best construction doesn't mean saying something that isn't true. So sometimes the best construction is to say, I don't believe him. That's the best you can do. And I think we need to understand that are we to give uh, everyone the benefit of the doubt? Of course we should. But if, if something becomes abundantly clear, like the, the nature of how Donald Trump does his politics, look, it's just, it's the way a lot of politicians do their politics. That's no excuse for it, but it's the way a lot of politicians do their politics. Donald Trump just comes out and says it. Then we still need to speak the truth. Should we be calling him names? No. But I think we need to speak the truth about the nature of, just like we need to speak the truth about Joe Biden. I think you could, by your standard there, Brad, you could fairly accuse me of not putting the best construction on Joe Biden's positions. Joe Biden actually says he's personally pro-life, but there's absolutely zero evidence of that in anything he says or does. So I have to conclude, best construction, he's lying. And that's the best I can do. Because everything he says and everything he does and has done while in office has proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that he is not pro-life, that he doesn't want to protect the unborn. And for me to say, well, he says he's pro-life, I'm going to take him at his word, is actually to promulgate a lie about Joe Biden. Is to not speak the truth. So has Donald Trump been able to affect as president many of the goals of the pro-life community? Yes. Do I believe he did it because he's personally pro-life? I don't know how pro-life he is. So sometimes the best construction is to say the truth as you know it. But when you say truth, you don't say, you're, you're not, it's not like thus saith the Lord. You're 100% sure Donald Trump doesn't believe what he's saying about abortion. No, not at all. So, you, I mean, and truth, you, and, you're saying small t. You're not yeah, saying. I'm, say, I'm saying, and you clarify, you said, that's your personal opinion. And I said, yes, it's my personal opinion. But it's based on watching the guy before and after he became president. And then, especially after Roe was overturned, and all the pro-life community was saying, we need to nationalize a law that puts Roe in the grave once and for all, not just pass state to state, but we need to go for national legislation protecting the unborn. That's a long-term goal, a long, long-term goal. And Donald Trump said no, because he didn't want to touch that as a national issue. I would urge you, Brad, watch former President Trump as he goes into this campaign, listen to his speeches, and ask yourself, how often does he mention abortion? Does he say anything about gay marriage or transgenderism? What are the issues he doesn't talk about? Because you can be sure of one thing when you talk about any politician, including Donald Trump, but not unique to him. If they're not talking about something, it's because they don't want to talk about it. They consider it a political liability. Politicians don't talk about things that they consider a political liability. So how often are you going to hear Donald Trump talk about protecting the unborn in the next 10 months. Just listen for yourself and draw your own conclusions. But again, it's small t truth, not... Uh, no, I'm not saying thus saith the Lord. You yeah. can't say anything thus saith the Lord about 
about that issue because, but I, I'm just looking at the, how he's handled the thing politically and he is blaming pro-life Republicans for the results in 2022. He's on the record blaming pro-life Republicans for the less than stellar results, the red ripple or whatever they called it in 2022, the midterms. For now, I'll stick by my, I'll stand by what I said based on what he did in his first term and what he continues to confess. I'll say he's, he's pro-life. I can't tell you his motivations or intentions, but another point too is he went after DeSantis, what the 12 week. Yeah. He said it was a terrible mistake. A terrible mistake. A 12-week gestational law that DeSantis signed into law, and Donald Trump said that was a terrible, terrible mistake. We'll find out here in the next few months, right? This is an anonymous email, and after I read it, you understand why. The, the person gave us their name. Just so you know, we typically don't read anonymous emails unless they give us their names, but we're not going to read their names on the air just so we know they're a real person. Regarding podcast 0261, a new study claiming, as a copy editor for a medical journal, I call attention to one-sided writing and referencing and suggest other sources to consider. Since the Dobbs decision, I have thought a lot about whether I should keep this job. But if I quit, no one else might flag such content. I have been told that professional ethics is settled on abortion, that only the pregnant person can assign the moral status of patient on a pre-viable fetus, and that physicians and the pregnant person have no moral obligation to the fetus. I appreciate discussions on issues, et cetera, about abortion and on vocations and defending the faith. Thanks for the email. Thanks for listening. Well, you need to continue to speak the truth. When you are copy editing this kind of professional writing, you need to continue to do use your red pen. It's not simply about confessing the truth as a Christian. It's about doing your job. And your job is to point out when the research or the conclusions or the analysis or whatever it is, is less than it should be. And when only one side is being represented, in spite of the fact that I, I'm sure that you're being told this is all settled. There's no ethical issue here anymore. Well, there may not be among the researchers, but why do they do research? Is it only to echo their own ideas or are they trying to advance knowledge? So your job as a copy editor, insofar as you can do that, is to help the researchers advance knowledge. And it is not advanced by deciding. That's not science and even ethics is not decided by simply saying this is the way it's going to be. We no longer talk about abortion in any way that would call into question whether it's ethical. That doesn't advance knowledge. You know, this is proof. This email is proof. You'll hear people say, oh, well, the hard sciences haven't been influenced by this, I'll just say, anti-biblical, anti-Christian worldview. That is nonsense. That is absolute, utter nonsense. No, it's, I mean, I, I think we're naive if we believe that somehow the hard sciences, because they have the, the scientific method, are immune from this. And Look, we just had a guest on responding to, it was Michael New, responding to the fact that the Journal of the American Medical Association, Internal Medicine, Internal Medicine published research. And Michael New, kind of on the back of a napkin, took it apart and said, this is where it's flawed. Here, here, here. The authors work for pro-abortion <laughs> organizations. And he called it the single worst bit 
of advocacy research he's seen in his entire career. And the New York Times and, and CNN and Bloomberg and everybody ran with it. So you're naive if you believe that there's no institution that hasn't been touched by this kind of stuff. Quickly, this email comes from Gregory. I want to personally thank Deaconess Lynn Fredrickson. The post office accidentally delivered an envelope with dues to your office, and she was kind enough to mail it back to us. She went beyond the call of duty, concludes Greg, and yes, she always goes above and beyond the call of duty. You, you, you people do not understand how much tra tragedy, sadness, heartache, and just general frustration is, avo is avoided by the diligent, watchful nature of Deaconess Lynn Fredrickson watching out for us like little children tottering along at the edge of a cliff, always pulling us back. We'll be right back. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc. is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio. Metro East Lutheran High School in Edwardsville, Illinois, invites you to an open house from 1 to 3 on Sunday afternoon, February 4th. Take a tour, visit with faculty and administration, and find out more about financial assistance and scholarships. For more information, visit the Facebook page for Metro East Lutheran High School or call 618-656-0043. Open house at Metro East Lutheran High School, Edwardsville, Illinois, Sunday afternoon, February 4th.